All right, what's up, guys? I'm here with my man, Justin Green. Justin, how you doing, buddy? Well, how are you doing? Doing well. Happy to have you on. So, uh, Thanks for the invite. No problem. So before we actually hopped on this show, uh, I know we spoke a little bit yesterday. Uh, you mentioned that you were interested in doing law enforcement growing up. So let's just take it from the very beginning, and we can just, just go from there. So um, you know, what were you like when you were, you were growing up in high school? Um, what made you want to pursue law enforcement? And we can just you know, take it from there. Yeah, so uh, growing up, I grew up on a pretty, pretty normal uh, lower middle class family. Uh, dad worked for my grandfather. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and about the time I got in middle school, my dad uh, had become an alcoholic. And, you know, it, it, it was kind of noticeable at home. Um, it, it didn't create the best home life in terms of an example a father should set. Um, and so I started getting in some trouble in middle school. Nothing crazy, but enough to where I knew the student resource officer at school. And uh, on a couple of occasions, the police had to come out to our family's home because my dad, uh, you know, was uh, not being respectful to my mother. Uh, I'll just leave that at that. I don't really want to dive too far into that rabbit hole, but I'm sure most of the listeners can kind of pick up on that. Uh, and so I developed a relationship with some of the officers that responded to my house and uh, kind of dealt with me when I was younger and really grew up to kind of respect them and you know the, the service they provided me in terms of a young man that kind of needed some sort of uh, person that was older to kind of provide some leadership. I actually went through a junior police academy in high school uh, with two of them, and I'm still friends with them uh, to this day, almost 25 years later. Um, still talk to them on occasion, um, and actually uh, looked at pursuing a career in law enforcement. My daughter's godfather is actually uh, on a, a member of the Oakland Police Department in California uh, on a really cool unit there. And he, in like 08, 09, kind of pushed me to go into law enforcement. And I put my application in at CHP. Um, had one or two speeding tickets they didn't like. Um, so I didn't make the selection. They're a very, very, uh, very difficult department to get on. And, it, you know, it, it kind of worked out well because right about the time I was kind of going through that process, uh, they put a big five-year hiring freeze in place because of the recession. Uh, and then uh, spent 10 years out in California, moved, moved here, uh, and started working at a company called Roca. We had developed sort of like ballistic eyewear uh, for the military, and we brought in a guy named Tim Kennedy. Um, and so he started kind of hanging around. I had been doing some competition shooting, had gotten back into jiu-jitsu uh, when I moved back here to Austin, Texas. And I had put my application in at the Round Rock Police Department. Well, like, after I'd done that, uh, Tim kind of found out a little bit about me after I'd taken some of their courses, and my CEO at the time uh, from Roca had recommended me to Rob uh, to and Tim uh, presented this opportunity for me to come into Sheepdog Response and work with them. And so I had a decision to make, do I go work for Sheepdog Response or do I go work for the Round Rock Police Department? And I kind of weighed the missions of both of them, and I was fine uh, with either because they both kind of served what ultimately was my mission to you know provide service to the community help people be able to protect themselves um, and protect others uh, and so I thought it would be a really good opportunity to get in with a, a group of really badass guys learn from them take my game to the next level do this for a couple of years and then possibly still go into law enforcement because I'm, I'm still in my 30s and I could, I'd still be able to do that yeah when you think of the list of badass guys Tim Kennedy definitely seems like he's up there <laughs> yeah you know what's funny is like uh tim is a super badass guy like not gonna lie he's got a you know really cool ufc career um super successful black belt in jiu-jitsu 
um, does a lot of really cool shit. But the crazy thing is a lot of people don't realize we've got some dudes with even deeper resumes than him that are, our, are part of our cadre. Um, so it's just very humbling to be around these guys who just have so much experience and are literally some of the, the baddest dudes on the planet. But they're also some of the most humble, nicest, hardworking guys I've ever met. They're just good dudes. Yeah, he seemed, I never met him before, but he seemed like a really good guy too. One of the guys just kind of down to earth. Um, so he was working with you prior to when you jumped onto Sheepdog and started doing that more with him? or is... Yeah, so I, w I was working at Roka. Um, we yeah. were developing a ballistic eyewear line uh, for shooting applications, uh, kind of targeted at law enforcement and the military. We had some stuff out. Uh, with some competition shooters throughout the U.S. And I got to develop a relationship with Tim. And I had a good relationship with my CEO, Rob, at Roka at the time. And mm. the two of them one day sat me down. And Tim pitched me a job offer. And it turned out to be a really cool job offer because I think I get to utilize a, a much broader scope of my skill set um, at this company. And it's been really fun in the year and a half I've been with the company to see where it was at when I started and where we're at now and the things that we are doing now, because we've definitely taken it to another level. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, Sheepdog Response is a pretty big name when it comes to that kind of stuff. You mentioned you were able to use your skill set. How so? More so with, with Sheepdog? You know, so I had a pretty broad-based background. I had had my own business in triathlon coaching for a number of years, so I had a lot of entrepreneurial, uh, you know, expertise. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to bring, like, you know, my customer service management experience, my, you know, web development, you know, project management experience over. I understood the, the culture and the, the 2A community because I did competitive shooting. I was getting back into jujitsu. Um, I fully believed in the mission they had. And so I was able to take all the, those things um, and kind of use them to go in, look at how we could do things better, how we could align with you know the customer better and how we could provide a better experience for the customer and grow the company in a scalable manner. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what got you into competitive shooting? So, so it's kind of funny. Uh, I've always kind of had an interest in guns. Uh, it's something I, I kind of took up when I started my first year of college. So my first landlord in Fort Worth, Texas, um, not, you know, uh, his name is Bo. He used to own Craft International, Chris Kyle. He's a partner now in a bunch of firearms companies. Um, and he was a pretty avid gun collector and he always kind of piqued my interest in, in firearms. And so something I just kind of started exploring on my own and kind of, kind of went with it. Cause it was a, it's a challenge. It's uh, you know, you have a lot of gross motor movement and fine motor movement skills that you have to combine to be successful at that. And I did triathlon for about a decade and I was kind of coming out of that, you know, retiring from that. And I was just looking for a new challenge, something to continue to be competitive. Cause I always find that, you know, we as humans are at our best when we are challenging ourselves uh, with something on a daily basis. Completely agree. Is that how you got into jujitsu as well? It is. So that was that was kind of more like I did it in 08, 09. The only reason I stopped doing it, uh, the recession had hit. And I just couldn't afford the gym membership at that point. Uh, and then I got into triathlon because running shoes were really cheap. And that one, that thing just kind of went down the rabbit hole. Uh, but then I got back into jujitsu, um, partly because I ran and met Tim and some of these other guys. And uh, you know, retiring from triathlon, it was just, I want to stay in, in the best physical shape I'm capable of staying in. So between like lifting weights and doing jujitsu, I think it's a fantastic uh, sport for the body because it's just, you learn so much about how your body can move, how, how we feel things from a proprioception standpoint and 
you know, to be really good at it, you have to have mobility, strength, and uh, awareness of your body. And it's definitely probably one of the most applicable martial arts out there. I mean, would you agree? I, I, I firmly believe that uh, jiu-jitsu, uh, when it's taught correctly, and Muay Thai are probably the two best forms of martial arts you can take for self-defense. I know there's a lot of other things out there, but those are the only two I know of that you can actually spar with somebody that's actually resisting you on a regular basis. And that goes a long way into learning how to deal with that. If you actually have to deal with uh, some sort of situation in self-defense, it won't be new to you. And practitioners of that can do that for a much longer shelf life. Because you're not- Oh, we, we've got some absolutely badass guys in their 60s that yeah. are in great shape at our gym. Um, you know, my, my professor, Paolo Coelho, he's a, he has a, been a black belt for 26 years. He's a two-time world champion. Tim trains under him as well. Um, the guy is 47. He looks like he's a 27-year-old. Uh, he's just in incredible shape. And when you see that, you realize that what he's doing is right. So why would you not do that too? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen some some pretty old dudes that are badasses when it comes to that kind of stuff. And it's it's pretty cool though, because you can do that for such a long time. I mean, it's you know some martial arts you're gonna get hit every single time. It's just like kind of you know what I mean. Like you don't want to do it for that a like, super long period of time because you're just gonna sustain injuries from that. Jujitsu just seems like it's much more um, you know loose, and you can do that for a much longer period of time. It is, and uh, you know the other thing is most most self defense situations or fights. You know, you should avoid getting in a confrontation if you absolutely can. Uh, but if you do, they wind up on the ground usually pretty quick. And that's, that's where you really get the upper hand if you are skilled at grappling. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk about Sheepdog. That's primarily what I want to talk to you about. Um, awesome. Let's do it? it. What is it? Who's it for? Um, just for the people that, that might not know what it is, let's just let's start talking about that right now. Yeah, so Sheepdog Response was, uh, was founded – uh, six years ago by Tim, uh, and it, the idea behind Sheepdog is that you, you, certain people have this innate thing in them. They want to be protectors, and those people want to do the right thing, but they don't necessarily have the right training. And so our mission is to empower uh, people to preserve and protect human life. And so we bring a curriculum and a instructor base together that are, are world-class. Uh, we have some of the best instructors, all of them coming out of uh, top tier careers in law enforcement or special operations. Um, and we bring that knowledge to people so that they can be empowered to protect the people around them, their families and those that they love and care about. Who's it for? It's for everybody. Like we, we welcome anybody, all, all genders, all, all, all races, uh, all nationalities, all we care about is that, that you know, they want to protect and preserve human life and that they want to maintain, you know, freedom for the people that they love. Because we, you know, we have guys that are in special operations that have spent their entire life dedicated to protecting the freedoms that we have here in the United States uh, and other countries that, uh, that love freedom as well. And so we want to help enable people to be able to be protectors of that freedom and Freedom also means protecting those that you love from harm. Right. I, I was talking to somebody in the last podcast. It just seems like most people nowadays, myself even included sometimes, we just seem like we're kind of just in the bubble and we're, we're safe all the time. 
um, that's something that I've definitely picked up on from Sheepdog that you guys just want to make it clear to people that, hey, you're not, you're not always safe. You're your, your last line or first line of defense pretty much, right? I mean – Yeah, so, I mean, the, the biggest thing, like, we, we, we have a pretty, pretty broad approach in that we, we start, you know, with situational awareness. It, it's all about being aware of what's going on around you. Uh, the best way to win a fight is to avoid a fight altogether. Because um, even if you win the fight, now you've got a, a, a legal fight, right? Uh, whether, whether you're in the right or wrong, it's going to cause you more headache on the back end. Uh, so if you can avoid that altogether, that's always the best option. But then we also encompass that with combatives and then firearms training because you know, we want you to have a full set of tools Oh, no, I can't hear you. Sorry about that. No, it's no worries. That's better. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I was saying is, you know, we, we, we develop a full curriculum from situational awareness to combatives to firearms training uh, so that you have the full set of tools available to you um, to be able to protect yourself uh, or those that you love should the need arise. But one of the reasons we start with situational awareness is that we're firm believers in the best way to win a fight to avoid it altogether if you can. How can someone be more situationally aware? Uh, I honestly, in 2020, the best way is to keep your head out of your phone all the time. So many people walk around with their head buried in their phone. They all know what's going on around them. I'm guilty of that. Bad. I, I think we all are, but I, I think when a lot of people realize um, that they're doing it, it, it's easy to start kind of monitoring yourself and putting some restrictions on it. Like, I can't tell you the number of times I see people just cry, like walk up to a crosswalk and accidentally step two or three feet out with their head buried in a phone. Like that's all it takes for a car to run you over in a crosswalk. So it's <laughs> just small things like that. Just being more cognizantly aware of the world around you. I saw a video from Tim talking about the type of clothing you wear um, to where you can move around. Don't wear something where you're just super tight. I mean, is that, does that play into that? I think that was from one of your videos. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a lot of things. One, it's like, you know, when you're situationally aware, you want to be aware of what you're wearing. Like, are, do you want to look like a tourist if you're in some third world country? Um, probably not because you're going to make yourself a target, right? Uh, you stand out. Like, it's always best to kind of blend in, like, where you're going. Um, you know, be part of the crowd uh, so you don't stand out. Uh, but, yeah, you should always be dressed in such a way like, if you're in an area where there maybe has been some riding going on because you live near a downtown area, like maybe wearing flip-flops out is not the best idea in case you have to run away from that scene or you have to, you know, escape an area or all of a sudden there's some broken glass on the ground. Um, you know, you need to be able to move a little more uh, quickly and you just can't do that in flip-flops. Um, right. so yeah, you just have to be aware of like where you're going. Like if I'm going to the beach, that's fine. If I'm going downtown and like, there's been a bunch of like rides lately, I'm probably just going to avoid going downtown. But right. if I absolutely have to go down there, I don't have a choice because my job's down there. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wear politically motivated shirts that might cause somebody to like come after me. And I'm not going to wear flip flops in case I need to run away from something. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Not a good idea. Okay, so what kind of training do you do? You mentioned firearms training. You mentioned like hand-to-hand. -hand. Is that mostly grappling, jujitsu? Yeah, so we, uh, we have some – we have a number of 
black belts uh, in our cadre who also have special operations experience who've developed a very unique curriculum. Uh, it does tie in jujitsu. Um, it is a combative uh, self-defense form of jujitsu, not sports jujitsu, uh, where we do a lot of training to be very effective. There's a lot of, lot of basic movements that people can use that will get them out of a lot of situations. We do weapons retention work with both knife and pistols, as well as uh, takeaways, not Krav Maga style, like shiny stuff, but uh, you know, effective things that will actually work uh, in the, if the need arises for you to defend yourself in that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very, it's two days. Our sheepdog level one class is two half days of combatives. And then when you finish the combatives, you go straight into the firearms portion at the range, which is great because then you learn what it's like to use your firearm when you're tired and stressed and your body is not at peak condition. Um, cause that's the way you're going to feel when the adrenaline dumps in a self-defense situation. And then level two, we stretch that out to three full days of that split in half. So it's, it's a really deep dive. It's a lot of saturation of information. Uh, but everybody that comes to our course walks away feeling very empowered uh, and a lot more confident. Yeah, next time I'm down in Austin, I want to do one. Um, so what you mentioned difference between sport jiu-jitsu and more real life. What, what is the difference between those two? Not trying to throw triangles and stuff, I mean, on your back and – yeah, well, there, there's there's a lot of moves you can't do in sport jiu-jitsu, right? Um, when, you, when you're when you in a street fight fighting for your life, like, mm -hmm. there, there's no rules. So, obviously, we're going to incorporate things that give you the, st the stack the deck in your favor. Um, you know, some of them is just, like, how to incorporate violence of action, like how to lay down serious violence real fast in the confrontation, stuff that you would not be able to do in a competition that would probably get you disqualified or get serious points taken away. Um, so that's kind of the difference. It's, it's about getting you out of the situation alive and, and, and the best manner possible, um, which is very different than if I'm just trying to tap somebody out and win a competition. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what's the typical like experience level when it comes to people doing this? Are people coming in knowing exactly anything? So about we have, shooting? yeah, so we have people of all levels that come in. We have some people that are higher level belts in jujitsu, but they may not have the firearms experience. They may not have the situational experience. We have law enforcement that comes in and takes our classes from various departments because the training we offer might be more extensive than what their department's willing to spend money on. Um, we have people that come in with zero experience at all, men and women. Um, so it is for everybody. Um, and we want people to work around the people with a variety of skills because you learn a lot about yourself uh, both your strengths and your weaknesses. And so it gives you a lot to leave there um, knowing how much you need to work on, regardless of how good you are. What do you think is the biggest lesson that someone might take away from, from doing one of your courses? Um, just a more of a sense of confidence knowing they're, they can protect themselves? Or uh, I, think that, I think the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, your security and your family's security is ultimately your responsibility. Um, you know, with, with law enforcement departments, you know, being defunded and losing funding nationwide, you're going to see an increase in response times. Um, and so I think now more than ever, uh, you know, with what we saw in 2020, the amount of civil unrest, which is pretty unprecedented in this, you know, in the last several decades in this country, uh, I think more than ever, you know, people need to take ownership of their own security. And that just means they need to get the training and more importantly, the mindset wrapped around like, 
nobody else is coming. I need to defend the people I care about and defend myself. Um, I am my own first responder. Right. I mean, so this, you said it mentions you have some course that lasts three days, right? Correct. Okay. Is that, I mean, three days is obviously, it's a great start, but people probably need to continue training and doing this kind of stuff ongoing to really stay sharp, right? Absolutely. Like once, once you leave, we like it, we're just, we're just giving people a taste and we want them to be able to go back um, and take a deeper dive and, and commit to the things we've taught them. So when they leave, we want them to go develop a fitness plan, that, you know, you know, gets them in the kind of shape that where their fitness is not a liability. Uh, we want them to seek out, you know, a great jujitsu gym and continue down that path. We want them to continue, uh, you know, with their firearms training, like as an LTC instructor and somebody who has a license to carry, the thing that scares me most is like the person that goes out, buys a firearm, passes the super low qualification for a license to carry, and then doesn't touch their gun again for five years. Like they are a liability. Right. Um, training, you know, having the, the ability to defend yourself and having a firearm and all these, all these skills means there's a responsibility. And part of that responsibility is continue to train those things so that you're not a, you're not a danger to the people around you should you need to defend yourself and you're not a liability. You're an asset. You're going to bring, you're going to bring the help that's needed when it's needed. Because those things definitely are a perishable skill. Absolutely. All of them are perishable skills. I mean, just like, Working out. If you don't work out for a month, what's going to happen? You're going to get weak and fat. Right. Like, if you don't shoot for a month, you're not going to shoot as well as you did a month ago. If you're not rolling, you're not going to roll as well as you did a month ago. So it's they're all perishable skills, and there's something you have to work out a little bit, you know, on a consistent, regular basis. And you just have to find a, a schedule that works for you, and just you don't have to do them all five days a week. Like you just have to do a little bit every day. Right. I was going to ask you that. I mean, for someone that's listening, how often that's listened, that's paying attention to what you're saying, how often should they train, you know, dry fire roll? How often should they do those things? Just whatever works for them or. Like yeah. So everybody's, yeah, everybody's schedule is a little different. You know, we all have different family structures. We all have different jobs. Um, so kind of like to give you an idea what my schedule looks like, you know, I've, I, I kind of tried to maximize my time. I built a home gym uh, this year earlier, thankfully before COVID and everything sold out. Just um, <laughs> yeah, because I just, I wanted to maximize my time during the day and it saved me five hours a week commuting. That's five hours back in my life to do other things. Um, so I lift three days a week. I don't do two hour lifting sessions, contrary to what some people may think. I do, you know, about 45 minutes. Uh, it is no shit, very intense. I don't sit around, you know, bench pressing for a minute, sitting on my phone for five minutes and then bench pressing again for, you know, it's pretty much nonstop the whole time. Uh, and then Tuesdays and Thursday evenings, I go jujitsu for two hours. Um, and the reason I only go twice a week and I go for two hours at a time is because it's about 45 minutes from my house to the gym. Um, so for me, that schedule seems to work. I would like to go more, but it's just kind of the reality of my schedule with everything going on. And then, you know, I used to shoot once or twice a week. Uh, but with ammo, you know, where it's at now, both in cost and supply, yeah. I shoot maybe every two weeks now. Um, but I do a ton of dry fire and you can get a lot of valuable training on five to 10 minutes of dry fire practice a day. Um, just practicing your draw stroke, practicing, practicing malfunctions. Uh, and you can do that while you're watching a TV show. And if you do that every other day, you will see a world of difference in your skill level um, without the cost of ammo 
Um, so it's just about finding a schedule that works for you. I just do no more than 45 minutes a day other than when I go jujitsu. And, you know, it, anybody that tells me they can't find an hour in their day to do something, I guarantee they can because they're probably watching at least an hour of TV at some point. Um, and you can do most of that stuff in front of the TV if you absolutely have to. Yeah, definitely there's no excuses. Uh, the guy I had on last name is Brandon Voss. He told me he does his dry fire while he's watching Netflix. Like, just two birds, two birds, one stone all day long. Yeah, definitely. So what, what do you think the biggest lesson that you've learned personally from teaching people? Because I know, you know, you know, there's an, the old adage that, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. I mean, I know you already understood a lot of this kind of stuff before you started instructing people, but, you know, was there like a different lesson or something else you picked up from instructing people and, and teaching them how to defend themselves? Yeah, so one of the funny things, especially from the, the firearms perspective, you know, I, I'm still well behind most of my colleagues, in you know, as far as jiu-jitsu is concerned. Um, but from the shooting aspect, uh, you know, I would say that there's no one fancy thing that any of the guys I work with or myself do. There's no special technique or trick or uh, super cool operator thing. Um, it's the fundamentals. I mean, you just got, those fundamentals have to become second nature. And when you get those fundamentals down right, you're going to have such an immense skill set that you're, it's going to be noticeable. Uh, it's just about doing the fundamentals well. That's all it boils down to. Just getting those reps in. It's getting the reps in. It's about, you know, just having the consistent same mechanics over and over. And that just comes with, you know, perfect practice makes perfect and just doing those reps in, and slowing down and working through them in a very methodical way and not, not, not going too fast for your skill set. The speed will come, you know, uh, you know, Tim and the guys in special operations have this saying that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And you have to be smooth before you can be fast. Definitely. Definitely. I'm looking to get my concealed carry at some point pretty soon. Um, and dry firing is definitely something I want to, start practicing in the meantime. Um, so you're involved with the USCCA, right? Yeah, so we have, a, we have a partnership with the USCCA. Tim is one of their national brand ambassadors. Uh, I was a USCCA member before I was a home, uh, home defense and concealed carry instructor. Uh, we worked uh, some of that into our curriculum at Sheepdog Response. Um, and I, one of the reasons I became a USCCA member uh, is that I was looking to have a little bit of peace of mind that should I have to defend myself? It doesn't have to be the firearm. Like even if I get into a self-defense situation and I injure somebody, you know, grappling on the ground in the street, they will still cover you. Um, but they have one of the broadest networks in the country. Um, they also are the only company that will actually cover your damages. Um, and they just ultimately believe in everything they stand for. They, they believe that the Second Amendment is about your self-defense. It's not about hunting uh, like some other organizations think it is. I love hunting. Don't get me wrong, but that's not why our Second Amendment exists. It, it exists for the defense of the people. Um, so they're fully behind that. They provide some great training. We've partnered with them. We've given some of our training. Uh, earlier this July, we gave our situational awareness virtual training to all their members for free. Um, and I actually had dinner with Tim Schmidt, the CEO, two weeks ago about you know where this partnership is going over the next year and uh it's just going to continue to grow because they they offer a great service and a great product 
um, and we fully believe in the product that they offer. That's awesome. You mentioned cover your damages. What do you mean by that? So just so a lot of companies will cover your your legal fees uh, should you get in a self defense situation, um, both criminally and or civilly. Uh, but on the civil side, even if you're 100 percent right, somebody breaks in your home, that person who's broken in your home, if you shoot them in self defense, their family can still sue you civilly, even if you are 100 percent not guilty criminally. Um, and so should you wind up having any damages in civil court, they will pay those damages. That's crazy even to think about that they can go after you if you just defend yourself like that. I mean, it, it's crazy. They can sue that people and now can sue you for anything. Mm -hmm. so, so how do you combat that? I mean, if you're going to potentially get sued for defending yourself in your own house, if someone breaks into your house, like what do what are people that yeah so that's why you have uscca so you have a number a card in your wallet i've got it uh i also have their number on speed dial should i get in a situation i immediately call them they immediately uh assign attorneys to me immediately and they come handle it like from the minute that i have to i mean whether you're right or wrong you're probably gonna have to take a ride downtown because there's going to be questions asked if you've had to defend yourself with lethal use of force Mm -hmm. um and they will get you taken care of 100 percent. so that's like a, a team of lawyers and like a they actually come help you out with that i thought that was just like more of a, a group no they have a nationwide team of attorneys hmm. interesting i did not know that how did you get involved with them was that through sheepdog it wasn't i was just i i did a lot of research on the various companies out there and what they offered before uh because i just when i got my license carry i wanted to make sure i was covered in that regard, because that's not something that your typical homeowners or renters policy will will provide protection for. Uh, and so I specifically wanted to make sure that I was covered. It cost me uh, about $300 a year, but I, in, in my opinion, that's a very small price to pay for, you know, the the coverage that it provides because, you know, I, I, I've got a family and a little daughter and I want to make sure that, you know, if something happens that that's one less burden that, uh, you know, I got to worry about. Is who's going to defend me? How, where, where's that money coming from? Because lawsuits can get expensive very fast. Is that, yeah, definitely. Is that something you think most gun owners should, should do? Absolutely. I think if you carry a firearm on you, you should absolutely have insurance for that. Um, and you should absolutely train on a regular basis. What about people that just have guns in their home? Uh, absolutely. You should still, still do, uh, you know, home invasion is the exact same thing. Somebody breaks in your home in the middle of the night, you shoot, you shoot them and use lethal force. Um, you know, say they survive or, or they pass away, they could sue you or their family could sue you for wrongful death. Um, and you, that's when you still need an attorney, even if you criminally, from a criminal court perspective, you were within the right, uh, for self-defense, you could still be sued. Is that fairly common? Yeah, it has happened. Uh, people get sued for wrongful death all the time. That's scary to think about. It is. Uh, I mean, we live in a very litigious society. And, uh, you know, so it, again, kind of comes back to, you know, part of protecting the, those that you love and your family is about having a plan in place should you need to defend them. Awesome. Not, only from, not only from the, the, the person that means your family harm, but from the potential legal consequences of that. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's a scary world, man. I mean, going into 2021, I mean, it's, it's a scary place. It seemed like it just ramped up a whole lot within the past, you know, nine, 10 months, especially. 
Okay, so yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely scary. I've got a I've got a young daughter, um, and trying to explain all this to her has been you know very difficult because she's still very innocent, doesn't fully understand, right. and uh, yeah, I just. I hope that things get better before they get worse because I don't want her to have to worry about her safety constantly, you know, when she's going out with friends, when she's older or, you know, I want her to, you know, I, I just, I want the country, however it's going to, to kind of move past this because we're all better than this. Especially as a parent, I can't imagine how stressful that would be, you know? Yeah. It's just hard to answer those questions because kids don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just see their friend. They just see their friends as their friends. They don't understand politics yet. They're they're innocent, and they just, you know, makes yeah. me want to be a kid a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. So my second to last question, uh, going into twenty twenty one with all the the madness that's happened so far, and I'm sure it's probably going to get a little bit crazier. What would be your number one piece of advice to the people that are listening to this to protect themselves and make sure their families are safe? I think the biggest thing is people just need to have a plan, uh, have a plan for home defense, whether that's security system, training, a plan to get out if you need to, um, and then have training. Uh, training will go a long way, um, you know, and just making sure that should the need arise, you do have the ability to protect people because uh, it's, it's usually the people who are caught off guard and have never prepared or thought, thought about it. Um, they're the ones that wind up in a bad situation. Um, I think we saw that quite often this year in some of the inner cities were people that didn't even want to be involved in what was going on. Just they, they wound up in a bad situation because they, they, they didn't really think ahead. They didn't plan. Um, so planning is just a huge part of just making sure you're in a better situation altogether. That's probably why this was like a record year for gun sales. <laughs> Lack of planning. It is. It is. And you know, I, I hope that everybody, I hope that to some degree it normalizes the idea that we all have an innate uh, right uh, to protect our families and our homes. And that I, I think it, you know, this year will change the conversation a little bit for the better, because I know it's been a controversial topic for the last several years. Yeah. I hope it does, man. I, th I think it will. I think a lot of good is going to come out of all this stuff. Um, it's just kind of hard to see right now when you're just wrapped up in all of it. You know what I'm saying? So awesome, man. So where can people find you online and where can people go to uh, work with sheepdog? And you? Yeah, so you can. Uh, I'm I'm on Instagram, Justin, in ATX, uh, and then you can find out more about Sheepdog at SheepdogResponse.com, or on Instagram at just SheepdogResponse. Awesome, man. My additional question: How you like Austin so far? I know you've been down there for a little while, but I'm thinking about moving. That's why I asked. I, I'm a Texas boy. I grew up north of Dallas. I, I've lived all over. Uh, and I've always wanted to live in Austin. It's my favorite place in Texas, and I couldn't be happier, man. I, li I live in a beautiful place. I live, I live close to one of the big lakes here and got a nice house and a lot of good friends that I grew up with are in the area, so it's, it's good. I like it. Yeah, and they just got Joe Rogan, too. I mean, this when you thought it couldn't get any better. They got we got a lot of cool people moving to town, man. Like, Austin is the place to be right now. I just, hey, if you're from California, don't come here and vote for the same crap. That's, what <laughs> That's I was all I'm going to say. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, everybody from California is coming to Texas, coming to Austin. Just stay. You can have California. Stay over there. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm all for like people want to move here. Great, like it's it's a beautiful place. But yeah, just don't come vote for the same stuff that ruined where you're coming from. And I see uh, somebody who moved who lived in California for a decade. So um, yeah, just come here and be open minded about you know the way we do things in Texas. 
Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Justin. I appreciate it, Brendan. All right, buddy. All right, have a good one. You too.